Welcome to episode 61 of The People on Kei Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Ben White. And I'm Matthew Timmons. Our guests on this episode are Megan Whitmarsh and Jade Gordon. Megan Whitmarsh is an LA-based artist, primarily known for textile projects, as well as her multimedia work. She's currently collaborating with Jade Gordon on videos, installation, and performance. Although I think that's often the case with artists, that artists kind of intuit and sense things before they're happening. You know, it's like the job of the artist to see the future maybe a little bit and try to answer and prepare for it. Jade Gordon is also an LA artist who makes collaborative performance art, objects, and video work. She is a founding member of the performance art collective, My Barbarian. I started to think about um, utopias as like, because okay, we're currently we're currently in a dystopia, so we're thinking about, okay, how do we imagine ourselves in a better place in order to figure out ways to get there, right? Jade and Megan will be the only collaborative duo in the upcoming Made in L.A. 2018 Biennial Exhibition at the Hammer Museum here in L.A. Later in the show, we'll hear a track from Zena Zerner's brand new album, Queens of the Night. The People features the voices and ideas that make up the cultural landscape of Los Angeles, the West Coast, and beyond. It's like a broken record, magically repaired. Megan Whitmarsh and Jade Gordon, welcome to The People. Thank you very much. Thanks We're happy to be on. here. Thank you. So, Megan and Jade, you guys are in the upcoming version of Made in LA 2018 at the Hammer Museum. What yes, are you guys, we are. What are you guys going to do there? Well, we are the only collaboration, I believe, in the, in the exhibition. Um, and our project is actually an extension of something we began in... Uh, February 2017 at Human Resources. We do a sort of immersive installation. I always say that our work has a lot of tentacles because <laughs> we do a publication, which is a free giveaway. We're, we do videos. The installation is experiential and kind of imaginary where you're entering a space. Um, we do performance and we schedule events. So um, there's a lot of aspects. And basically, we were creating a, a world in this exhibition. We're basically creating an imaginary educational institute and health retreat center. It's sort of an unnamed institute, slightly akin to Esalen, but if it was the year 2059. And Esalen hadn't been taken over by ex-Google employees who are now making, I guess right now uh, Esalen is is Google, ex-Google employees who are now doing uh, courses about how to remind people that they're human. And (laughs) it's true. I'm not lying. Tell us what Esalen is. Oh, okay. Esalen is is, um, in Big Sur. And historically it has been... Uh, kind of a new age um, self-help consciousness raising meditation healing center, Megan? Self-realization, yeah. Very California and um, sort of everyone who developed some kind of healing modality or therapy in the 70s 
probably went to Esalen at some point. If you ever saw Bob, Carol, Ted, and Alice, the film where they're um, forced to stay in the, the yeah. room together to have that kind of in, or encounter groups or est, all of that kind of, Just all of those impulses, we've kind of um, adopted those and... Well, I'd say it's it's not so much, it's like a container. Um, so Jay and I have, I think probably a lot of people have this, where we have so many interests that we kind of need to create a container in which to contain ourselves and create limitations. Otherwise, we'll kind of spin out forever. <laughs> and so um, the Institute idea, which we don't really ever speak, but is kind of our internal language, um, helps us to keep things in a certain realm because I think and it houses all of our interests because we have a lot of interests and some of them are kind of um, the 70s new age um, healing science fiction feminist speculative science Mm -hmm. fiction kind of ideas about utopia and dystopia and future visions and possibilities 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 is a big one um, optimism hopefulness physicality body awareness hopefulness in the face of like horrifying circumstances that we're in right now so i think initially we started we started creating this these 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 structures out of um a need to imagine something outside of what we were actually experiencing and i at the time of the um inauguration i started to think about um utopias as like oh because we were currently we're currently in a dystopia so we're thinking about okay how do we imagine ourselves in a better place in order to figure out ways to get to get there there. right so and a lot of the a lot of the work that i do outside of my our art collaborations and my training is in theater of the oppressed and i know that probably you guys, having gone to CalArts or been involved, yeah, being at CalArts Cal and knowing Mady Schutzman, she was yeah. a professor of mine but um, at USC. But a lot of that, a lot of Augusta Bowal's work is based on Paolo Freire and Pedagogy of the Oppressed. And a lot of, and some of his exercises are about being able to imagine the ideal or imagine the the utopia as a way to to be able to kind of map it out to kind of like you create right. an image of how things are right now and an image of how you'd like them to be and then you can figure out okay how do I get there so thinking about these these kind of science fiction utopian amazing like like Herland um, like Doris Lessing novels Ursula K. Le Guin thinking about these places outside of where we where we are and thinking okay how do we play within that that, in that world and my work also independently kind of always dealt with a sort of visionary um aspect and a kind of optimistic and I think um so Jay and I always shared you know we we were friends and neighbors and we'd borrow each other's books so we always kind of shared the same references and interests anyway um and so working together, kind of building on those things that we're both really interested in. And I also think that our work was, um, we specifically wanted to speak from the viewpoint of being women. And some of it is um, playful and even kind of tongue-in-cheek, like we're, we're definitely um, aware of, you know. But at the same time, I don't think we realized when we first started making the work together 
it was maybe almost like pressing it without knowing it um, in terms of because we started working together before Trump was elected. We didn't think he was going to be elected, you know, and so that kind of need to have like our work became actually more relevant even to us in an interesting way. Um, although I think that's often the case with artists that artists kind of intuit and sense things before they're happening. You know, it's like the job of the artist to see the future maybe a little bit and try to answer and prepare for it. Mm. Um, and I think also Jade and I really, um, we often talk about wanting our work to be like honest, but at the same time hopeful. Um, I think there's artists who kind of speak of dark futures and that's a way of teaching, but I would say we're probably more of the possible vision humor play is really important aspect and improvisation Um, is a big one I mean in my work uh often even without me sort of meaning to is infused with humor and like a kind of Brechtian criticality and and creating these sort of um these kind of larger than life uh characters that are almost seem like I'm making fun of whatever I'm talking about. Sure. So I think in our collaboration, in our video work specifically, there's this tension that we're writing between are they seriously making new age like healing videos or are they taking the piss? Are they <laughs> be, are they are they making, making fun, fun yeah. of new age? ladies that are sort of privileged and have access to like crystal healing sessions that cost $800 a pop. So, (laughs) and I think, I think we come from different perspectives on this, on these issues also, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting because we're constantly, there's a push and pull with Megan and I, where I have a lot of baggage um, surrounding like this sort of white lady, new age privilege. Sure, Gwyneth Paltrow, Goop, that kind yeah, of thing. And yeah, and I and I feel like, but at the same time, I'm very. I read my horoscope every month. I'm. I go to acupuncture every week because my insurance covers it. It's only fifteen dollars. Um, if I. I, I, you know more I, than just the basics of your astrological chart, I'm oh, guessing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my mom used to yeah. like, do charts, and sure. I've gone to, you know, you know, I'm if, if there's a past life uh, crystal healing meditation, I am so there, and I'm having visions. So I'm really um, sincerely investigating that, and, and I, I value self-care, and I need it more than ever personally and politically but I'm still I still feel very I feel slightly uncomfortable with this what what feels to me like this um access problem and so when I'm so in the videos when we're you know playing these characters even like as I'm playing the character I'm judging the character and so I'm kind of going back and forth vacillating between do I am I am I serious about like actually yeah. communicating with dolphins or am I stepping outside and pointing you, fingers? Right. It's like are you sincere or being sarcastic? <laughs> and the answer and is both. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And so that yeah. kind of um, that tension and the kind of um, Augusta Boal called it metaxis, where you have one foot and two different worlds, mm-hmm. uh, is really interesting to me, and I like that someone might see one of our videos and be slightly confused and be laughing and then be like, wait a second, I'm actually getting really relaxed. <laughs> right. I'm well, feeling like I'm on a journey now. Like, I like being 
pulled in and out of those kind of yeah. worlds. And I actually, I mean, I think the the um, the contrast or the tension is, as she kind of indicated, is sort of real in that I probably approach things from a way more kind of innocent perspective. I mean, just authentically. And um, it's not that I don't have criticality because I do. And it's not that I don't um, have kind of ability to have see multiplicity, which I'm actually really interested in. But um, I definitely have maybe a sort of um, pretty peer connection to sort of mystical thinking and mystical um, ways. Like, I feel really earnest, I guess, about a lot of the messaging. At the same time, it's funny because, I mean, one of the reasons for me working with Jade's really great is because I think messages... I'm really interested in messages that have many ways of speaking. I just think they're more real. I feel like we're kind of part of a collective, and if we can speak in a way that is clear but is kind of speaking to a collective, it's more effective. And I think um, Jade does sort of keep humor. Like, she's always sort of undercutting in a way that I find it much more... It's more interesting, and it's also more pointed, and it also is... Like, I think our energy together is reductive. We're constantly, like, she's sort of reducing me, and I'm reducing her. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in, like, a... It's almost like you're distilling. Yeah. Yeah. That's what... And in terms of the aesthetic, this is... Working with Megan has been wonderful aesthetically for me because I'm always... um, I'm... I'm, It's... Everything I do is always sort of more is more. Like... Um, like the Baroque, like sure, like sure. like yeah. piling a bunch of garbage in a garbage can, yeah. and like oh, adding some flowers and then glitter, and I <laughs> I don't love that, <laughs> but that's my tendency. Yeah. Um, I don't know if everyone's familiar with Megan's work, but e- down to the way her studio looks and her house looks and the way her clothes are and the colors she wears or the lack of like patterns everything is very very specifically megan very clean a very specific palette very um, minimalist in a way but full of color bright colors and so i think that just working with megan has made me um clear the space in a way that you you would i think about like the zen image of someone sweeping the floor like clearing the space in your mind, clearing the space in your house, clearing the space, your workspace, yeah. and then the like aesthetically cleaning it up and being really specific and simple. And so you have this clean, vibrant, open space in which to like contain a lot of crazy ideas. And, the, and so that's been really... Um, would you wonderful? Uh, would you Megan say the reverse that well, like you, on some level? Yeah, it's interesting to hear that because in a funny way, I feel like my brain is really messy, <laughs> and um, Jade is your Jade's really good at sort of winnowing out. So maybe I'll write a bit of dialogue that's like three paragraphs, and she can you know we we'll we'll write together and we'll read things together, and she can kind of zero in on what's just sort of boring or filler. So I think there's different ways in which we're um, impacting each other. And just in general, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that um, the the working together has been super productive in ways that I don't think either of us, you know, we, we started working together because we were friends and we had really different skill sets, and we thought that would be interesting because a lot of times when you try to collaborate with someone, 
and you have the same skill set, you just end up kind of bumping up against each other. Or competing with each yeah, other. Yeah, right. it's difficult. And so we we were pretty confident in our friendship and like pr- knew we had a good um, rapport and ability to talk things out and trust. So that was all kind of positive. But then the fact that we really had different skill sets, I think, was exciting because um, we knew that we would bring different things to the table and also really learn from each other. And I think that's definitely happening. And yeah, I mean, I think just like what she says about my aesthetic, I would say she brings that to sort of the performance and the way things are um, transmitted. So um, just her voice or her ability to act or her ability to bring feeling or emotion. I mean, it's it's a really interesting thing to me that I don't have comfort or skill in, and, and it's really cool. So I, I feel like we both animate things in each other that maybe we can't animate in ourselves. And so it becomes richer and fuller and has more um, layers. It's interesting thinking about like performance and theater translating into like a, a gallery mm-hmm. practice. But I think a lot, a lot of, a lot of the way I collaborate and a lot of the way I work and a lot of, a lot of the reason I think I'm probably pretty good at editing, not just editing video, but editing performances and editing scripts is because I come from a background of improvisation, improv theater. That's been for years. That's what I did before I started working in the art world. Um, I was an actor in TV and films and did a lot of theater. And so my, my MO is always sort of yes. And Mm -hmm. how do we say yes? And, but also going with the first instinct of, does this work? Is this funny? And to me, it's usually like, is it, does this amuse me? And I know very, very, very quickly if it's, if it's working and I don't know, it's just sort of like some, I don't always know it if I'm writing something or if I'm making a mask or a sculpture. I can't always like judge myself that easily. But if I'm, if I'm performing, it's a feeling I get like a, an energy of like, it's that feeling you get, okay, yeah, this is funny. This improv that I'm doing is funny. And so while I'm editing, it's almost like I'm improvising and using that same gut instinct of, oh, is this is this making me happy? I kind of become the audience member. Sure, yeah. Um, and I can and and Megan is very trusting, which I think and because and I think a lot of that comes out of innate self confidence and strength of character, where she doesn't get her feelings hurt if I cut if I'm like her voice sounded weird and I cut it out. You know, right. or or she makes, you know what I mean? Or or if I say, well, you know what, that's just not, you know, that's not working. Can you, like, make your eyes really wide and do something very odd? She just will do that and just go <laughs> there. And she has a very unique way of speaking and a very unique way of using her body. And so she's been very trusting in, like, letting me help, like, turn, help, turn her into a performance artist <laughs> in a way that maybe you haven't hadn't felt I'm, comfortable doing. I'm a puppet in Jada's no, not, not at all. I'm just saying like this I mean it in a like, good way. Yeah, I just mean yeah, like my, yeah, yeah, totally. But Megan like is so deeply committed to these kinds of texts and ideas and therapies and she grew up as a Quaker and is so deeply entrenched and has done so much research that a lot of the material that we 
that we are using and collaging in the in the scripts and the videos comes from these you know decades I'm I'm imagining of of research that she's done, and you have such a like you said uh, I don't want to say it's naivete but it's like a guilelessness or like a sounds pretty Quaker to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you say or that like y'all's different approaches or or aesthetics? It's a purity, or... and it's like a it's a just a deep sincerity that's like beautiful, but not 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 naive because there's a deep intelligence there, but like a like an honesty and like a an innocence in a very wise way. This is a really fun interview by the way <laughs> i'm loving it no no come on it's great for and my megan is so gay oh well, my god tell, she's tell, awesome actually should we take a break yes you're listening to the people on k chung 1630 a.m i'm matthew timmons and i'm ben white remember you can hear the people every third sunday at 3 p.m on k chung 1630 a.m or you can find us on Stitcher or SoundCloud. And you can find us on iTunes uh, and really wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you are getting your podcasts, you can also rate and review the show. It really helps us on iTunes. For uh, sure. gives us more visibility and uh, people can find the show easier. So if you can do that, it would really be helpful. And you can find us uh, at insertblancpress.net and just click on the people at the top of the page. You can find all of our past episodes there and everywhere else uh you can find all of our past episodes for free yeah uh so now let's get back to our conversation with megan whitmarsh and jade gordon so megan you want to just kick us off sure um so there's a line from a poem by gloria anzaldua that i kind of jade and i sort of think of as a almost like a mission statement um and it's we don't want to be stars we want to be part of a constellation and um That was just a a phrase that we actually used in a collaged script because some of our scripts we use a lot of found text that we cut up and put together combined with original writing. Um, But it also um, it also felt kind of like a mission. And I think again when we're creating work, um, and and like I said, there's tentacles or layers, and there's all these different. But one of the things we're trying to do is really draw from a lot of different perspectives and sources and sort of characters that we're developing that we're not completely settling who they are. They're sort of suggested characters. Um, and the idea is we're really trying to um, speak in a, in a voice that's clear, but that has kind of a multitude within it. Um, because we want to provide a lot of entry points. We want it to be accessible and we want it to resonate with, with different people. And we're really trying to speak to the child and the older woman and every, everybody in between um, and men too, (laughs) kind (laughs) of. Yeah. One of the things we say um, that we've been talking about and when we've been talking about our, our process is we, we collage, um, feminine perspectives into conversations. And that happens literally and also sort of metaphorically. Um, we use a lot of t- bits and pieces of text, fragments, p- uh, things that we've written, things that we've cut up. And it's we think of it almost like um, a reverse prism where there is uh, like a, 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 a many, many different voices, but then... Um, shown through the prism to get kind of a clear white 
the, the rainbow, the chorus of voices into a unified voice. Yeah, and I mean, we use like Jade's mother's journals, um, letters from that my mother wrote in the 70s, um, dreams that we've had, dreams from our children, conversations with our children, um, as well as a lot of found text. We use like bits and pieces of self-help books, but also cookbooks and uh, women's health journals and books about menopause and books about um getting back to the earth and like and you know craft books and in a way this is you guys have talked a little bit about how you're creating a multivocalic kind of text and yet channeled through each of your two characters yeah so these there's always two women because there's two of us and so in the videos there's there's two characters and they're usually having a conversation, and they're usually uh, one of them. One of the figures is a searcher, or or a, a client, or a patient, or someone looking for something, or someone trying to find some kind of enlightenment or manifest some kind of change. And then there's another figure who is the guide, or the um, psychic, or the tarot reader. Or the teacher, the teacher, or the docent, or the witch. <laughs> yeah. So there's these kind of back and forth conversations, or sometimes there's there are two women in a room having a conversation, both kind of simultaneously having these journeys. Um, but so far, there's been one that has had a little bit more of a handle on it than the other, which I think probably just provides tension. But yeah, I mean, I think as we're kind of talking about it. And I think this is something we intuitively know, but maybe it's more becoming clear as we're talking about right now to me. I think it kind of echoes like an attitude that we have about the world, which is that we're really kind of all the same underneath. And so we can borrow words from, you know, a woman that wrote uh, 300 years ago or 70 years ago or our own words or our mother's words. And they're going to somehow have these echoes, right? Like there's these echoes through time and we're all... In some way, we're all sort of speaking the same. I hear things. what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but I, 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 I hesitate to think about the work in terms of like these like universal, um, like we're all the same. I, I, I have trouble with that a little bit, honestly, because I feel like our experiences do make make us different from one another, right? Like depending on what kind of experience you've had, you're going to react to a situation in a different way. I think we are actually speaking about a very specific experience and that could be an experience that people in our bodies could have had 300 years ago or someone that was seven or someone that was 52. But I I, I think if I'm going to think honestly about our bodies in space – and what our bodies are doing on a screen, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to acknowledge like the kind of um, political position that that we take up that kind of space. Well, that sounds like I mean the different ways that y'all are describing using this material that is you know that you've gotten from somewhere else. I mean that sounds like the dynamic of appropriation, like yeah. the problems or the advantages with appropriation, yeah. right? Well, and I want to say I don't disagree with what you just said. It's kind of interesting because as you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. But may, And maybe it's that I didn't word what I meant very well. But I want to actually go back to being Quaker or having been brought up Quaker because 
I think it's a really interesting idea of the collective because the idea of the Quaker idea is that everybody has a piece of the truth. So there is this big truth, but every single person holds a piece of it and every single piece is individual. And so everyone is required. And so it's this incredibly inclusive and you don't have to fit the same mold. And so, yes, we're not all the same. And yet it requires each of us to kind of create this collective truth or light. And I think that's kind of maybe better describes um, what I'm trying to say, which is more, um, and, and, you know, as an artist and a consumer of art, I'm much more, I'm interested in the personal. I'm not actually interested in the kind of vague universal, you know, which is my access point is my, is like intimate, weird, personal things. Um, so I, I also, you know, agree in that sense, but I think, um, the sort of resonance of things is like this. I, I like what you said about everybody's required, right? And you don't have to be the same as someone else to fit into a, the puzzle of like a community, right? Quakers you, are the coolest Christians. They. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? They just are. <laughs> but I think I think what you guys are talking about uh, in putting together this particular work for the hammer um, that I find it interesting is you're very seems you're very concerned to though of course you are each located in the body one's own body and as a performer you are channeling the self in that way but because you're working through various different texts it sounds as if you're trying to open up your own self so that uh, a viewer someone uh, you know coming to this installation the uh as you said, I think before, would have a bunch of different ways to, um, you know, access the work. So tell, talk to me a bit about that. I mean, not the theory of it, but, but, or, or the theory of it, um, but how you're thinking about the ways in which you're, you know, reaching out to the viewer or, or just simply opening up to the viewer or whatever, like how you're trying to make it inclusive. And Megan, yeah, you should start because you're not, you haven't done a lot of performance. You're primarily yeah. not a performance artist. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I still don't call myself a performer. Um, and so for myself, like, and Jade knows this, like we just try to figure out ways that I can perform, whether it's by wearing a mask and not speaking or um, video is great because she can really kind of control and edit me in a way. And, and I mean that in a positive, like I, she, she's, really brilliant at it and um kind of finding the little pieces and putting them together um so I don't have to necessarily perform um and she definitely does a lot of directing which is really helpful but yeah I think um but what I am interested in so I'm perhaps not a performer but I really want participation and I love I, I want things to be alive um so I think my I don't want the work to be static and you know my career as an artist has been um I've had a lot of shows and I make objects and they're on the wall or they're sculptural, but I've always sort of tried to break the barrier. And, you know, a lot of my shows I'd give something away or I'd have a free newspaper or some kind of way of breaking that um, barrier between myself and the audience. Cause I think it's re the relationship that I'm interested in and I want the audience to be interacting or participating or somehow invited. And so um, this whole collaboration has been so great in that it's really it's easier to make the work feel alive and make the space alive and um but definitely I would say we like we rely on Jade's performative 
Yeah, I mean, you know, in a good way. Like she, she sort of shoulders that weight, I think. And in terms of, but in terms of like the... creating the space, um, there's a lot of objects in the room that invite participation in a way that might not be actual physical participation. I think what there's an invitation. We're creating a, a world, an imaginary space. You walk into it. You're in a kind of not undefined time and place and there's a lot of possibilities you don't you it's not it's an institute but no one ever hears that word Mm -hmm. it it says so on a publication that we're we're providing that's almost like a learning annex catalog catalog of, of courses or interactions or reading lists illustrations advertisements so it's kind of vague what we're offering but I think that vagueness allows for the viewer or the participant to kind of imagine what they want or need and try to get that out of their experience in this space. Well, and I feel like one of the, and I don't, I personally don't do a lot of like participatory performance, but I have, I'm going to say that Mark Allen at some point uh, talking about like performance stuff through Machine Project, he always said like, you know, you, people will set up a, participatory sort of performance and often they have an idea in mind of like how someone would participate and that is always usually not how people end up actually participating because you can't typically imagine exactly how someone's going to we can't prescribe you can't prescribe it it's like yeah that would be stupid i think the most interesting thing about participation is that is that is the possible participants sense of agency right how far how what do I want as a person a viewer an audience member a person in the room how involved do I want to be do I want to be like and I can control that I love it when people invite but don't necessarily have huge expectations or prescribed things that you have to do I think people hate it when it's a magician's act Mm -hmm. and they're forced onto the stage and made to look like an idiot and singled out I think things that work are collective participatory practices like if if who wants to raise their hands like you know, great, and we're part of an audience, and I can raise my hand. Sure, no one else, everybody else is doing, it. but I don't. That's not the kind of participation we're inviting. Yeah. We're inviting kind of almost like imaginary participation. Imagine you're going into this space. Well, why would you be here? What would you need from this space? What kind of journey are you on? Do you want to go and, and and look at this wall of of masks and and imagine that these are every possible emotion anyone could ever have, and then feel like there's the permission to take the mask off a wall but maybe you won't do it because you're in a museum even though you're being invited to or maybe you're going to go to a a monitor and have a fabric headphone that you put on your head and you know that it doesn't necessarily isn't going to work but you suspend your disbelief and because you're in not only are you participating in the possibility of like being healed by this imaginary machine but you're also participating in this sort of theatrical illusion that we're providing. I I think also that we're really aware of that kind of the delicacy there and we're really aware of people's discomfort and the last, like we so much want people to be comfortable. That's actually really important. And we also want people to feel really safe and kind of pleasure, I think. Yeah, that's a big part of this installation that we're creating is that the comfort and kind of relaxation 
is a kind of a big deal to the point where we're carpeting the floor with lavender plush carpet and there's <laughs> pillows and we're inviting gently we're watch you know they're invited to look at these you know videos which we're presenting as examples of healing practices or the kind of videos you'd see if you were in the the masseuse office and they were on the you know there'd be a monitor about this someone's getting a massage and oh there's these fabulous new herbs you can take nothing <laughs> is that literal and everything is yeah. very kind of abstract and vague but it allows for the viewer to get kind of imagine what i what what imagine what they need and see what they can kind of get out of it and definitely working with the hammer, I mean, it's funny because our show at Human Resources, people did wear masks and people did actually physically interact with, with objects if they wanted. I mean, it's really like, do you want to do this? So it's very open. But we can't really do that at the museum. And it's something we've kind of had, you know, we've talked about. And it's, and how do we still create a feeling of invitation, but, you know, also not totally put this burden on the museum where docents would have to literally be, you know, managing these but a lot of our invitation is is implied. But like an example, so we'll make we'll make masks. Um, Jade will have masks, and they'll be on a wall. And then there's a mirror, and she invites them up to you know do mask play in the mirror. But the mirror doesn't work. It's like fabric, and it's so it's sort of like a little bit stopping people. You there's know? a built-in like, yeah understanding yeah. that you might not actually need to do it to like the invitation might be enough. You're listening to The People on Kei Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Ben Wang. And I'm Matthew Timmons. You can hear The People every third Sunday at 3 p.m. on Kei Chung Radio, 1630 AM. Uh, or you can find us anywhere else where you get your podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Overcast. Just yes. about anywhere we get podcasts, there we are. Everywhere. You should listen to us on one of those places. And now let's get back to our conversation with Megan Whitmarsh and Jade Gordon. So within this imaginary institute, this unnamed imaginary institute, uh, are these archetypes, not archetypes, but archetypes. And so we've created nine archetypes that are very specific to Megan and I, or very specific to people of our generation, or women, or people that have had similar cultural experiences um and just to be clear since we were talking about this off mic we're talking about the piece that y'all are collaborating on at made in la yes right yeah so the name of the installation is actually archetypes right. and so just to give you an example of some of the archetypes uh we have the crone mother as one and each of the archetypes has a subtitle so the crone mother is one we have jazz hands is another uh laurel birch is another archetype. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with. It. See, this is why it's an archetype, Tell not us necessarily about it. a archetype. Well, and, and I'll, and I'll <laughs> it's say not a the, the subtitles are the sort of clue to someone who might not know who, who Laurel Birch is. So, like, I'll let Jade describe who Laurel Birch is, and then I'll talk about the subtitle. So, Laurel Birch is an artist that's very, um, very recognizable, and if you saw her work, you would know. You might not know that it's Laurel Birch, but you'd recognize it. Imagine that you're walking along the beach um, in San Diego, and you happen upon a little boutique, and you go inside, and you I see some already, yeah. socks or a mug or a scarf with some rainbow cats on it or the images of 
some ladies highlighted in gold with lots of fuchsia and orange and turquoise, an umbrella perhaps, um, <laughs> totes, totes yeah. with lots of cats and horses, rainbow cats. So the subtitle for Laurel Birch is how to be an adult how to be an adult so this is for for us if this is very archetypal growing up yes you need to be if you want to be a grown-up lady this is the kind of thing that you need to have becoming a woman becoming a woman um another archetype um well jazz hands is deep work deep work in a distracted world and actually all the subtitles are the names of self-help books literally self-help books and then there would be the portal which the symbol of the portal is the mouth, and it's kind of this sort of threshold going through something, the time doorway. It's the one, I can't remember the subtitles. Uh, another one, um, what's another? The uh, Embodied wisdom is the crone. Yeah, and, you know, in menopause is, as is enlightenment. is a It's a theme, right? So it's archetypal. Neither of us are in menopause, but it's going to happen. <laughs> huh. We're and look, let's, we're looking at it let's, over the let's just corner. go there. Let's talk about that. Let's make art about that. It's so it, that actually goes back to this idea of preparing ourselves for the future. Like you know, I'm 46, and you don't have to say how old you are, but um, so I'm not <laughs> she's not. She's much much younger, but um, but it's like you know, you're, you're sort of creating the path so that when you go to the place you you know you're inevitably going to end up it's really okay you feel comfortable and there. there's a um so we're creating this space and each in within the actual installation each archetype has a station so one another one of the archetypes is the stone and this is a wall created by um these box shaped masks that have these kind of extreme emotions another one is um, the crone mother, um, and the station for that is um, uh, an oracle uh, made up of lots of different kind of, how would you describe that? Well, it's sort of a giant face on a wall, but... Well, tell us uh, what the, like, the what sort of participation is going to be going on. Like, what, what is the audience's interaction? So, um, well, okay, so once again, it's a little different than being in a museum. You do have to kind of work within their parameters, so we can't just have all the work be handled. There is going to be a large fabric book that you can turn the pages, um, and there are going to be, as Jade said, sort of implied, you know, like headphones you can put on. In um, the Laurel Birch station, um, it'll be made up of a lot of little objects, little um, fabric lipsticks and mirrors and things like that, and then there is an invitation to actually engage with these objects, these Laurel Birch type objects. And then beyond that, we're going to have events and workshops. And we also, this is something we also did at Human Resources, and we felt it was successful and kind of echoed what we were talking about, where there's this imaginary world that's kind of play. And, and at the same time, we're sort of, we're serious, and we want to actually provide these interesting opportunities. And so we we did workshops ourselves, but we also invited people who were experts in their field. Um, like we had a tea ceremony that was really lovely. We had, we had a we had a I led a theater of the oppressed workshop. We had um, a lecture on on uh, how to start a babysitting co-op. We had um, a past life crystal meditation uh, led by this um, amazing like. Tell me about her. Azalea Lee, yeah. <laughs> amazing crystal healer. We had mu musical performances that, that also had a kind of healing 
um, aspect, like a, a ther- a, um, a, someone who played a theremin. We had a... Um, and he did empathic oral readings. Really so there's sort of this, the character of the installation and then the characters w- within the, the videos framing these events, kind of leaving open the question of like, what kind of experience am I going to have? Is this an authentic experience? Is this part of a performance? But then when the participant actually is in the workshop or in the space and having an authentic experience, it becomes very, very real. And so again, it's that tension of there was an introduction by, uh, by a performer, you know, in character, talking about the experience in a way that felt very, you know, kind of otherworldly and humorous, but then I'm having this actual authentic experience. So it leaves you that kind of like, I don't want to say discomfort because it actually is really an amazing feeling when you well, have an authentic but experience. But like a tension the, between yeah. the the performative nature, if you're a viewer, like, oh, this this feels like someone who's performing a persona, but then we're actually going to do... An actual yeah, workshop, that's, and that's that's a good tension. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And we also want to go back to the audience member. So if we were purely performing, it would sort of stop. And when someone's doing something, like a writing workshop or some kind of, where they have to actually go into themselves and bring something out, I think that's the other thing. Like we want to reflect back into the person rather than only reflect upon ourselves you know so that's another right like their their participation is actually building part of the installation yeah and have you all thought about the the audience that would be there at the hammer museum here in la or is that a consideration or does it even matter you know we're kind of it's interesting part of the installation is almost like naming the audience and giving and almost like characterizing the audience we say welcome sister welcome sister welcome sister and we're just there's this assumption built into the institute that this is a women's institute but it's totally not true everyone is there everyone is welcome but it's again it's playing with this idea of this sort of like feminist utopian science fiction world and so i think in terms of the audience whoever is participating is participating right but we're framing it by saying, you know, welcome into this space. We're in kind of endowing you with certain characteristics. Um, we're making these kind of like performative assumptions about you. You are obviously here at the Institute because you are working on yourself. So, of course, you're going to be interested in doing, um, you know, a women's group dealing with boundaries and artistic expression, uh, you know, for teenage girls, men are welcome, but that's sort of just explicitly there. It was reminding me, because I, I like that you said endowing. I mean, when we say welcome, sister, or we're sort of, I like that word endowing, because the idea is that we're sort of calling you into our game, and mm-hmm. we're kind of, create. Mm-hmm. we're sort of like, hey, we're, we're making you be in our world. So it's very inclusive, and, and um, we hope everybody feels super welcome, and actually feels sort of excited, and it's playful. But I wanted to say um, the root of the word for um, appropriation is the the original Greek word akoisis. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. It's a root of the word for eco-economy, and it basically means appropriate. And um, 
I looked it up once and it's, it means family or to claim as, as your family. And I was thinking how it's really interesting because we think of appropriation as this negative thing, but it's really an act of love where you're saying, I feel kinship to you. I feel like you're my family. So in this funny way, we're sort of saying to the audience, like, you're our family, you're our sister, and we're Me- kind of pulling you into our little game. And hopefully people, you know, we're are, making, are in. We're making kind of grand assumptions, yeah. like, of course, of course you'd be, you know, looking for, here for self-care. Of course you're interested in these things. And, and there's a way there's a way that uh, those kinds of situations, like that happen in the real world, whether it's, you know, a self-help healing center or what, you know, what have you that the language around these things automatically interp- interpolate the person who shows up as like, exactly. You're like one a, of a, us. You're one, one Welcome, of us. family. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. a soft dictation of how, yeah. how one should behave, even if one how one should behave yeah. is being very open and like uh, agreeing to jump into whatever's going and on. And I think right? it's really interesting thinking about, uh, thinking about it as a game. You know, right. we all sort of agree to these parameters. We agree to these rules we agree to enter the imaginary space in order for it to work mm-hmm. and so if we all are in agreement then we then anything's possible but within the confines of this kind of structure right. and that that's we an appropriation build. of the tradition of performance art yeah, yeah. right yeah. yeah we also i mean when we first started collaborating we talked about collaborating as it's like when you're a kid and you say do you want to play my game and the kid's like well okay but only if i can be this character and that in collaboration, it's like play where you you can set some rules, but you have to be really flexible and you really have to kind of invite the other person to have some agency as well. And I would always like visually, I see it as two circles that are overlapping. So there's this overlapping section, but you're still your individual circle um, and that that's kind of a symbol for play and a symbol for collaboration and that that's what we're going for. We don't want to consume or subsume the person. We want them, we, we see them as an individual, but we're saying like play in this space with us and this is our free place, but bring yeah. yourself as well. Yeah, so it's again, it's that improvisational yes and, but then keeping those, that that kind of skeleton a little permeable, like keeping, like perforated mm-hmm. so that things can kind of flow in and out and you can kind of move move in and out of that space as as you'd like. Right, not naming everything so specifically so that it it uh, it makes it so certain kind of understandings are prescribed or uh, certain experiences are expected, but more just like hmm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm entering a space where this can be kind of anything I want it to be, but the major assumption that we're making as the artist is that you're here and you're going to play this healing game with us. Or this game of like this imagination possibility game. And it sounds like you're setting up a space where you're, well, I mean, I'm guessing hoping on some level to be surprised by how people inhabit that space. And I wonder if you have ideas about your own possible surprise. Yeah, I mean, I like that you said that. And actually, I think I was going to say we want it to feel experimental. And I think... Um, just even in life, like when you're with someone, you want to be with them. You don't want to sort of be um, falsely present to someone. You want to kind of be open to what is happening right this moment. And I think um, in the same way of the show, like I want, we want to be really present to what unfolds and what happens and sort of the authenticity of the person that's coming into the space. But that said, I think there is, I think I can't speak for Megan, but I think that we are creating a very uh, 
kind of soft space in, in terms of like materials uh, and colors and mood. And so I am not anticipating people like freaking out and getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> you know not, what I mean? So I think there's like, I'm not, that. That, yeah, yeah, like okay. so I'm thinking like, I, I actually feel like we are setting a tone, a kind of, and, and we are, we're, you know, creating this kind of like, even if there's quotes around meditation, it still is going to have this, this kind of... You're still invoking it. Yeah. So yeah. there's definitely like meditation or, quote, healing happening. But then there's actually, unquote, like there's no quotes. Yeah. But, meditation but happening. I can also give an example of exactly what he's saying happening. Because when we did the thing at Human Resources, one of the workshops was like a body therapy. It was based on Hakomi, which is this kind of amazing 70s. And two of the people who came were people I knew very well. And they both said... Like, this was really, I was really skeptical of this. And, like, even in the beginning of the process, I felt very, you know, kind of like, what are we doing? Like, it's a little ridiculous because it's a sort of physical therapy, right? And I don't mean physical therapy. And yet both of them ended up being kind of really touched by it and moving through the discomfort and skepticism to a kind of um, deeper place, which was really interesting. And I think that is a kind of surprise, you know, and, and the same with the, um, past life guided crystal meditation where literally like (laughs) you could come with a skeptic, but people were like, I had a, you know, this is what I was. And, and it was a very intense and very interesting. So it's kind of, that's exciting. You know, I was, I was incredibly surprised by my own experience of the past life meditation. Which was? So, um, Azalea Lee, has a uh, a business called Place Eight Healing, yeah, and she does crystal healing sessions where literally she'll put crystals all over you. I've never done that, and actually, I mean, I love crystals. I think it's pretty cool, pretty groovy, but I've never experienced that. And I, I think I would go in with a healthy dose of skepticism. Mm, yes, yeah, sure. so I went. So you know, I, having created the space for this to happen with Megan, I was like, okay, I'm going to go in. And I'll just be more of an observer. I was thinking, oh, I'll just watch. And she started the meditation. She basically just very simply asked you to start thinking about your past lives. Who were you in a past life? And then this man (laughs) appeared in my mind, in the front of my face, in my mind. And it was me. And it was a Dutch man with like shoulder length kind of grizzly bob very like pockmark sores on his face his father appeared behind him his maid homely maid who he had been having like a sexual relationship with appeared (laughs) the whole life story played out it was clear as day and all of a sudden i was shirley mclean And I was, and then this other lady, then it was the second time I was like in Brazil and I was like this Brazilian lady pregnant on a couch with a fan wearing like a white weird eyelet gown and servants. But I was like, uh, it, it, so clear, I was shocked. Yeah. I mean, Not the, expecting that well, at all. It seems like it allows the, like, the human brain to do what the human yeah. brain evolved to do, which is to create 
to create narrative, right? Yeah. yeah. So even if you're not super into like maybe this is who I was in a past life, you don't actually believe in reincarnation. It's still like a pretty magical thing to see the human brain do its, it's thing, which it's is fascinating. Like make stories. And right? and it was so clear, and I actually literally saw the images in 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 front of me. Yeah. But the the other thing too, like when we invite people and we talk a lot about who to invite, because it's actually really important that the people we invite are willing to encounter skepticism because that's another part of our process. Like right. we are not dogmatic and there's no, there's no convincing. And I mean, I'm, I also have, I have a lot of skepticism too. So, um, but it's really important that the people we're working with are, they're okay. You know, it's, it sort of has to be, um, it just people need to be able to have their own thoughts about everything. And we don't want to impose or tell them to think anything. We just want to create, interesting experimental experiences and also when we invite people i think it's it's important for them to have a clear sense of the work that we've done and understand that there is that kind of tension between there's sort of like this like humorous characters mixed with this like very like authentic spirit so so people who aren't going to be sensitive and feel like oh you're making fun of what i do or am i, am I being exploited more like I am able to kind of flow back and forth in those two worlds as well. Yeah, and we're happy to meet them wherever they are. Yeah. Well, Megan Whitmarsh and Jay Gordon, thank you so much for being on The People. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank Thank you. Thank you. This was really fun. You've been listening to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. Remember, you can listen to us uh, anywhere where you get your podcasts, on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or Overcast or just about anywhere. Uh, go there. Find us. In all those places. And our interstitial music is Ockfifth by Lewis Keller. So thank you, Lewis. Yes, thank you, Lewis. Great song. As always. We're going to go out with the first song of Zena Zerner's brand new album, Queens of the Night, released just last week. Zena Zerner is Marvin Astorga and Young Jun Kwok, and you can find more of their music on Bandcamp at zenazerner.bandcamp.com. That's X-I-N-A-X-U-R-N-E-R. And the name of the track is Fem Destruction, featuring White Boy Scream.
hey, Megan, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't seen you in so long. Like, You don't want me to do Foley of you coming into the room? <laughs> oh, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Great.